Okay. Once last we broke, the party had uh, negotiated, if you will, with uh, Chiron, the paladin, to uh, travel back uh, west and which necessitates going northward unless you're going to do a lot of traveling in the forest. But west, and they'll be kind of northward and then southward coming back around the mountain pass um, to deliver a message uh, to southward the town that is where there's going to be a huge festival, uh, which is a basically it's a summer into fall festival. And uh, is a relatively unprotected town as far as like having fortifications and that kind of thing. But it is going to be the scene of the initial attack of the allegiance that has formed to come against the country of. Uh, it's really more of a uh, group of city states, really, smaller city states. Um, where Chiron and the healer that you met before, whose name is eluding me right this second, by the way, are from. And um, he is from south of Southard. So he knows the terrain in that area. That's where he is originally from. And, um, and so that area, which is south of Southard, and going eastward, is an area known to be inhabited by humanoids. And you had heard gnolls, um, but then when you talked to him, he said, yes, gnolls, but not, maybe not as much as what's rumored, that there are other goblinoid types in the area. Um, and he is familiar with what's there, and he is not afraid to travel in that area, that kind of thing. And so you had negotiated that he would go with you and basically he said, if you could take the message, help him get the message to Southard, because his entire column of knights was wiped out, that he would then accompany you to try to get back Dothraki and help you. And south and east of Southard into the kind of wildlands is getting near the Dragon's Mountain, where um, it's, you believe that if Dothraki fled from there, he would have had to gone down the west side of that of the dragon's mountain, um, and that means into that area. Okay, so that is your best lead that you have as far as like finding your missing dog, and um, since he's kind of hard to kill and kind of dangerous and in, in his own right, the thought was that he might still be alive and out there somewhere. And um, so you didn't want to give up on him, basically. So that's where we were at. Uh, at the end of the session, you had successfully put off a wolf attack on a band, a small traveling band, um, which looked like they may have been merchants or um, nomadic types, uh, which would deal in trading and other things. And, um, and then you left there and went back to the inn. So you were spending the night at the inn uh, pursuant to leaving in the morning, and you were getting back there the middle of the night, so it was going to be a, it was going to be a short night, um, and then going from the Hawk Shadow Inn northward, north and westward along the road into and through the pass. That's the wayward 
Reach Road, and then over the mountains, or essentially between the mountains, to get to Souther was the plan. So the the ride on horseback, it is a road. Um, the ride on horseback, he he tells you, can be made in a couple of days, and he would they were planning on making it. Um, you know, riding hard and making it in two to three days. So it does happen that it can be done. Um, it is dangerous territory. It's patrolled, but it's patrolled infrequently. So it's heavily patrolled, but infrequently. So like, for example, there are two to three week gaps between military patrols, which means in between those patrols, things degrade and get out of control and that you saw hobgoblins attacked on the road. It's similar to this area. It's very similar to this area. Okay? We had also ascertained that uh, Lucas had apparently uh, gotten a shield which is at least partially cursed, not significantly cursed. Um, but, you, cursed. but you had already figured a little bit of a way around it in that... Um, it appeared that if somebody was, if the shield was behind somebody who was firing or they were firing directly away from it, it doesn't seem to have a lot of impact. It's crossing shots or shots aimed in your general direction that are particularly effective. Which means you won't be able to be on the melee front line while somebody's firing into the same combat without probably having the arrows attracted to you or whatever it is that they were firing. Okay. Um, so you had horses for everyone. Uh, you had plus you had Chiron's horse. Uh, his war horse was recovered. I think one extra. Does that sound right? That's what we went out into the woods after, or after we um, yeah to get the one. looking for was to get the other horse. Yep, which so, was a medium war, which I believe he is riding. Okay, but for me. does not own because once we get back to Chiron's lands, it will go to his family. Right, unless you know, they were purchased or traded for goods within a reasonable price range of it, which is a couple hundred gold, so not cheap. Which I believe there was question as to whether you were animal friendshiping the guy's horse or not. I don't really have a choice. Yeah, it's pretty much automatic. Yeah. Well, well, it's not animal friendship in the sense that, like, Lifelong companionship, anyway. I mean, it can be if I try hard enough. But well, if you stay with the animal and continue to interact with the animal, then it would be lifelong companionship. But if you leave it for a period of time, it will return to its normal lifestyle. Yeah. Automatically. And that would be the period of time, the period of length of time for animals that are particularly intelligent, and horses tend to be fairly intelligent on this scale would be a longer period of time, assuming you have treated him well. So you might get months that he wouldn't go back to forgetting you if um, if you have treated him well while he was befriended. On the other hand, if you treated him poorly while he was befriended, and he's fairly intelligent, then he would leave in a shorter period of time. Leave the animal friendship. Okay. Um, Rolled paper and silver ring. <laughs> Which I think you had a light war. 
previous to that. Now somebody is writing. No, I'm sure. Yeah, when the the guy bought you war horses when you were leaving the city, it was definitely a white war. That was mentioned for you in particular because yeah. you were a knight. Because you were a, a horseback warrior. Kevin yeah. Kevin's dagger. I'm gonna give Kevin back his dagger. Okay, so we're the, there's a bit of a montage of getting ready and nursing mild wounds and things like that. Maybe some practice in the morning with weaponry, time staring at pages of ancient texts, that kind of thing, meditating, whatever. Any extra time I have, I'm reading my, my uh, sailor notebook. Okay, yep. Um, so toward the end of that montage, everything slows down for a moment, and the party has um, packed horses, saddled horses, totally equipped. You've stowed all your gear. You wiggle to make sure it doesn't rattle too much or fall off you or make you feel lopsided. And if there was anything like that, you put it on your horse, that kind of thing. You're, you're suitable and totally ready to travel. The horses are fed, watered, brushed, saddled. Everything's ready to go. All the grunt work is done. The sun is uh, coming up over the horizon, so it's early. Deep shadows cloak the courtyard of the Hawk Shadow Inn. But there is other light. There are others who spent the night here last night who are also taking to the road. Um, and um, before you can exit the courtyard, you're waiting as two wagons roll out the gates, and they have several people around them walking. And they go out the gates, and they turn to the right, which would mean they're going east and south to back toward Kazakhstan, uh, which you know that unless one is going into those other city-states, this is pretty much the furthest uh, civilization in this part of the world goes. So there's a good two to three day ride between here and the next vestige of civilization. It's not inns or small towns, as far as you know, there may be settlers settlements of some small amount or something like that. It might be fur traders. It might be, um, you know, uh, people who are like woodsmen who do specific things, like a lumber camp, for example, or things like that. But the bottom line is um, you're, you're on the edge of society. So when they turn eastward toward Kazakhstan, that doesn't surprise you because their wagons are, are kind of low. Just after they turn out and head eastward, you see that the caravan, which is almost immediately recognizable despite the fact that you didn't see it in the daylight, um, the caravan that you helped save last night is coming in. So they're coming in at dawn, or the earliest part of the day. And so you have to wait for, you get up kind of close to the gate, and you're waiting for those two to come through. It's a double-wide gate, but it's not wide enough for a wagon and a horse to go comfortably side by side without the horses potentially being irritated. Horses have really strong peripheral vision. So a lot of times if you have a not too well trained horse, like a riding horse, they'll put blinders on them. So anyway, you wouldn't take the horses through at the same time. So you're, you're lined up waiting to get out the gate and see them come in. And as you do so, um, there are two men on each of three wagons and then there are an additional three men walking, and they just kind of weave their way through. Um, and then there is a woman uh, walking as well, 
and she has an infant, a very small baby, tiny, like can't be more. <coughs> Based on blankets, you would say can't be more than seven to eight pounds at the absolute most. And she's carrying it pressed to her chest, um, and it's sleeping, and then it's got a, like a strap, a, a blanket tied over her shoulder and around her waist as she's carrying it, so she supports quite a bit of the baby's weight. And um, she's wearing a long, flowing kind of peasant's dress that goes all the way to the ground. And then um, as the last wagon comes through and you're edging forward, your horses are responding a little bit, not having trouble keeping under control, but you have to be a little intentional about it. A steward notices that on the third wagon, and he's, he's past you, and then it strikes you that one of the men that's on the third wagon, not, uh, it is the driver, the guy who's driving the third wagon, and the guy next to him has a crossbow in his lap. Um, and they look clean, not wounded. You know, they're, they're making a show of coming into town, so the wagons are neat, everything's neat, that kind of thing. And, um, but you notice that the driver looks oddly familiar. Like, you, like not from last night, because you didn't see him last night. But <laughs> I shouldn't even try that. Anyway, but... Um, from some time before. Okay. Now it also strikes you that this little group of wagons, where the first one looked very kind of mercantile and their wagons were riding heavy, the, these three wagons look more like the wagons of, of almost like nomads. They ride a little heavy, but not as heavy as the merchant's wagons, and um, they've seen a lot of time on the road. They're well weathered, like, like merchants' wagons. A lot of times, spend time in warehouses or that kind of thing. Um, but these are—they're uh, the hard-topped wagons, and they—they they have some color to them, but the color is pretty well worn off. It looks like they may have been red and green at one time, but the, but the paint is pretty well worn off. Um, so roll a d20 if you would, and we'll see what if any details come to mind. Yes. Time. Okay, so um, you don't remember the guy's name or for sure where you know him from, but you're fairly certain it goes back to sometime surrounding the gypsy caravan. So that that puts him as you uh, 400 miles from home. Um, and the odds of your seeing someone from that era of your life are very slim, you know, to see somebody so far away. Um, you see him, he, he's moving past. You, you think, you're not sure, but you think he recognized you too because he saw you and then he turned his face away fairly, maybe a little bit abruptly. He didn't go, hey, yeah. I guess I'm just going to walk past. I'm just kind of pretending to see him. Okay. All right. And so he, they, they are moving the wagons toward the um, stables. There we go. Toward the stables. And you're heading toward, toward the gate. And so unless anyone is doing anything particular, at that point in time, you walk slash, you walk slash trot out of the... <laughs> out of the um, Hawk's Shadow Inn, and you turn left down the Wayward Reach Road. 
No way. They have to get a ball stuck on the roof. <laughs> Did someone help us get my kid stuck out of the roof? We have a kid stuck in a swing. Probably a big kid in a baby swing. That's why. Here, the wayward reach road is still fairly well trod, uh, paved. You see the remnants of gravel, but it's packed into the dirt, but it's there. Going left, which is northwest, it is not as rutted as it is going right, which is southeast. It is clear less wagons travel this road going to the left. Okay? While I think of it, do you have any need to send word back to the city for any reason? Those wagons might be your last means of which to pass a message back. I don't believe so. Like we had mostly wrapped our business there. So something I'm just not thinking about. I wasn't sure if you needed to supply any word to the lady that you apparently have some tie to. Charlotte. She's still there. No, she's she was still there for a little while, yeah. Well, and uh, was apparently there when Tyron left, so that was only a couple of days ago. Correct. Yeah. So she sent us here, the gnome guy. Correct. We sent the gnome guy back. To Kazakhstan. Correct. To tell her. So she got the message up to that point. And then the healer lady sent Chiron and his group of knights slash heavy cavalry to deliver the message to Southard of the of the impending danger, at which point you guys got back involved with the story because you rescued him. On the road. Right. So, Carmine says, we could send word back, but whatever it is, we can't. My mission is supposed to be discreet, so. Yeah. We could, we could, simply, we could yeah. simply send a message to say that you are traveling with me. That's not a terrible idea. It, it would keep them from wondering if you are going to return. And also get them notice that we are still on task. And if we should all die, she would know where to send people looking for us. 
Yes, you will. Okay. Kyra says, I will write a letter. And I will mention that you are traveling with me in it, and then that way they will know. <coughs> okay? Um, so you pause on the side of the road while he digs around in his pack, breaks out a pot of ink and a pen and a piece of paper. and uh, He finds a tree trunk and puts it down and writes the letter, he pours some sand on it to help the ink to dry, and then by this whole time the caravan's getting a little further, a little further, a little further away, and then and then once it is, he says, okay, so one of us needs to ride out there and... I've got it. Okay. All right, I'll give you the letter, and all right, so we're going to go down the road. Gotcha. All right, and you start off down the road as he heads back toward the caravan. Oh, uh, po yeah, point of clarification. Uh, Darvul was going to go back with the caravan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so she might be with the caravan. She most likely would be, yep. Yep, so she can happily take the letter mm -hmm. that was last minute remembered. Time skip. We're there. We made it. Okay. It's a note. No. Okay. <laughs> okay, and off down the road you go, early in the morning, uh, based on what you're seeing around you, and you may or may not have better weather sense if you have predict weather as a non-weapon or predict weather as a spell, um, but otherwise, what it looks like a sunny day, uh, the, the, the grass is fairly dry, there is still a low-lying fog in the trees, so in and amongst the trees you can see a vapor, a mist, if you will, that is six, eight feet high and rolls around in the dells inside the, inside the forest. But out here it's pretty clear. Um, the sun is shining, but it's still low in the sky. Um, it is largely behind you. It is back and to your right as you are traveling. So your shadow, the shadows are long in front of you. Your shadow is like across your horse's neck to the left. Um, the horses are fine. Uh, lots of uh, forest noises and animals and so on going on around you uh, as you travel and having had the experience of the forest noise, the nighttime forest noises dying down before the attack, it occurs to you that you know if something is about to happen that might be a sign <coughs> of trouble. And so Thank you, sir. Nothing important, just that I'm sending it back. Okay. More secrets. Well, if you're going to mock your enemies, it's good to do it from a distance. Plus, everyone has secrets in their brain. Yeah. There's no role playing what's in your head unless you either tell your secrets or write them. Mayhaps I had my own reasons for joining you. A party of people who then ended up leaving the city. Says he doesn't have any friends. Nerd. Friends don't lie. I'm sorry. I know I have them. Really good. Okay. 
So as you are traveling, initially, the, the Tusk Forest proper is to your left. Okay? Um, before long, before noon, you will be traveling through the Tusk Forest as it is extended out to the right. There are trees on the right, um, but there's generally more civilization to the right. And, is, and the road here, the Wayward Reach Road, is traveling toward the Tusk Forest, which will eventually extend across the road, and you will literally, literally be riding through the forest um, on either, with it on either side. Um, okay. So, a couple of hours ride goes uneventfully. Uh, the sun is moving toward uh, up, basically moving toward the center position. Uh, temperature has risen to be in the um, high 70s to low 80s which is 30 degrees more in plate mail, which means... 25 degrees more in bronze. Okay, I'll give you that. It's not full plate mail. This is lower in the back. Wondering why something exploded. Well, it was a test thing. explosion. Yeah, it was. Oh. <laughs> it was a test explosion. I literally thought someone was just hitting off, like, getting, <laughs> trying to get out of the parking lot, like, going fast and furious. Cool. Bird sounds. Okay. All right. So by roughly eleven, you've been going for two, two hours. You're not riding real hard, but it's been like, you know, just the low end of a gallop, high end of a trot. I mean, it, it doesn't become comfortable to cover long distances until you hit a gallop. Okay. So a trot is very bouncy and kind of exhausting. Um, a gallop is a little less so. So you've been you've been at the low end of a gallop. The horses are not overly tired, um, but you've been going for a couple hours. Anyone doing anything, particularly not necessarily in, in need of a serious break or anything, but it's it's probably getting on to be about 10 o'clock a.m. Can I check the watch? Okay. Did you just say it was 11? Hey. You said it was 11 at the beginning of the description, and I said it was 10. 10 to 11. There's no clock. Check the clock. Yes. Well, if he checks the clock, there is. I purposely give it a description with vagaries until someone says, I checked the time. Okay, uh, you check it, it is 10 15. feel late. No. It's a subconscious feeling of being late. And I often look at the clock and I'm relieved that you're not late. We're going down. It's one of the things you love about this clock. It makes you feel relieved that you're not late. 
So what's the weather going to be like in the next eight hours or so? Okay. So you're going to use predict weather yes. to actually get the details of it. All right. So um, it is indeed going to be sunny and clear here. Mind you, that's how things kind of go. Um, and near sundown, it'll get cloudy and there's a good chance it'll rain. It's a good chance it's going to rain later, just so you guys are aware. But, of course, you'll be quite a bit further down the road by then. How long is later? Hmm. What time specifically? Evening-ish. It doesn't look like rain. It'll start clouding up in a few hours. <clears throat> Shouldn't be a storm like we had before. Oh, that's good to hear. Okay. Oh, worst case scenario, we sleep in the rain. Over the next hour, you continue to gallop on. Um, again, the horses are not so tired that they are required to stop. Your load is well distributed, and you don't really have a lot of extra weight. Um, it seems kind of odd not to have the dog galloping along or getting underfoot or coming in and out of view. We do have a big chest of gold still, I think. It's more like a large copper, but yes, you do have one. It's on a pack animal, so if we're on someone's horse with them, it would be more of a problem. Okay. High noon, if <coughs> did you want to try to push the button on the watch? Yep. Wait. No. 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 Oh, we'll keep walking. Right. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Why not? I'm scared. I don't want to pull because back. he doesn't want another beating. I don't want. I don't want to get pulled back too far. It does. Have, it obviously has limited uses because the numbers are fading. So the more he uses a number, the more it fades. Eventually, you won't be able to do. You won't be able to mark it at the same times anymore. Well, the question is: Is it counting the uses when it's marked or when we pull back? Yes. No. You're not sure. It looks more like when it's marked. Okay. Um, so at noon, you've been riding for four hours. You're starting to get a little sore and tired yourself. You're, you're, um, focus is less keen, less intentional. Uh, the road is just about to go into the Tusk Forest within the next about three to five miles. Are you continuing on? You need a break. Your butt's starting to feel old. You know you're feeling it, but not not that you can't keep going. You certainly can, and the horses are not so tired as you need to stop. I'm fine. We should probably go ahead and take some break. Chiron says, if we're going to take a break in the next four hours, we should do it now. Well, if you insist. 
Do we get all of our training in for the day? Surely no. Okay. I mean, two hours for viability and two hours for your main weapon. That's what I'll do. Do you have two weapons of choice yet? Or just one? Yes. Yes. Lance and Lance. I mean, you and need six hours of training a day, so no. <laughs> Not unless you didn't sleep. Hardly at all. <laughs> Maybe two hours. The most. Okay, so you rein up. Um, on the side of the road, on the edge of the forest, to the east, which is not the Tusk Forest because you haven't entered that, you haven't come to that point where it crosses the road yet. Um, there is a large tree stump that is maybe six feet across, very large. Um, and the area around it is sheltered by uh, the woods, but it's kind of like a little glen or a clearing, basically. Um, and you can see the signs of passage. People have marked it, uh, had fires next to it, and that kind of thing. So it's, it's probably a stopping point that has been used many times in the past. And um, Rook says, how long are we stopping for? I mean, just curious. 30 minutes? Hour. says, half an hour should be plenty, I would think. I mean, doesn't matter to me. You notice that it feels considerably better in here. It's shaded by the trees, even though the sun's fairly high. There's quite a few branches that are sticking out over this area. And so maybe it's like in the 90s instead of in the... 110 range. <laughs> Much better. The horses have only just barely begun to lather at all. They're still pretty good. They do need, they're surely going to need water, um, which you have to give them off your wine skins or water skins unless you want to go looking for a natural source because there's no obvious natural source around. Do either of my remaining exes, a first or a third, do anything to potentially help someone endure heat or exhaustion. It's not hot for me, but the people wearing armor are obviously suffering a little. No. Do they help me find water or food? No. hours time spent watering the horses it, it does consume a chunk of your water so somewhere along the journey if you don't find water it'll be hard to get through three days you're going to be looking for somewhere to get water or make water or some means we do have two clerics yes um, and actually one of them I think has create water in memory I think uh, water is 
Kevin has great water in memory. I don't think great food and water is the first level spell, though. Water is the first level spells. Create food and water would not also be first level. I thought it was just like you could cre- you could memorize create food or create water. First edition. Create water is first. Create food and water is third. Yes. Okay. Um. Anyone doing anything in particular in the half an hour? <coughs> training. Taking a walk. Okay, half an hour training. Plus awesome. a bathroom break, because you haven't gone to the bathroom in four hours. <coughs> we it go takes you five minutes to go to the bathroom. Bathroom in pairs. <laughs> okay, check and see for, you want me to check for a giant centipede, is that what you mean? Yeah. No giant centipede. Since we haven't mucked up the road ahead, and there's not well, much travel, we want to take a look and see if there are any signs of anybody else being this way recently? Yeah. I can do that. Okay. You check the road ahead More animals. and the general area. Mm-hmm. Representales. Oh. I'm looking around for any obvious signs of, you know, game trails or anything like that, but I don't have any particular skill besides survival. 44? You have survival forest. Yeah. Okay. Uh, roll it before. Okay, uh, so checking the road, you can see it, it's been traveled. Um, you realize it looks like the caravan, a caravan of two or three wagons came through from the direction that you're headed in. Um, probably the ones that were staying in the inn and then went on to Kazakhstan from there. Okay. Um, uh, you also see signs of travel that's probably more like a week old. So a week to ten days ago, and there's a wagon, people on foot, like it's kind of a hodgepodge mishmash of stuff. Um, so you'd say this road is much more traveled south in the last two weeks, much more traveled in the opposite direction than it is in the direction that you're going. If you're headed toward less activity. You do not see any signs of anyone going the same way that you're headed at least in the last several days. A few days ago it rained pretty good, so. Six. Okay. Uh, it occurs to both of you, you from just in general your training, but you from wilderness survival or forest, that if you can find game trails, you can find water, because they will eventually go to water. Um, and there will be sources of water, brooks, uh, springs, uh, small streams, something like that. Um, both because the forest has to be fed, um, but also because uh, you're relatively near the mountains. So the mountains will cause, basically when clouds pass over the mountains, it causes them to dump rain on one side or the other, depending on the climate and prevailing winds. So probably part of the reason why you've been getting, it's been kind of rainy here in general. Uh, You also know that the south and west of the Tusk Forest in in the eastern lands is basically considered almost like rainforest. It's it's very tropical. So you're kind of north of there now. Here it's more like 
dense forest, but there could be a lot of water on the ground in the forest uh, in various places, more like puddles, you know, and bogs. And 50 miles south of here, it would be almost like rainforest, torrential pouring rain at times. Chiron, you aware of any water that we're going to directly pass on our way north? Or yeah, there's uh, there's a, I guess you'd call it a lake, um, and wetlands within the Tusk Forest. It'll be on our right, which would be north northeast of us as we pass, and uh, to get to water the horses shouldn't be any more than a half mile off the road. That's how we watered the horses on the way to Kazakhstan. Yeah, I figured, I figured having passed this way, you'd know for sure. There's always a way. Oh, yeah. I mean, somewhere. Otherwise, <coughs> the amount of water the horses need to cover <coughs> day's journeys becomes too much. Yeah, just wondering whether I needed to keep my eyes open for trails or anything in particular. The only downside of watering them at the lake would be someone else might be doing the same thing or something else. That would be an obvious place also to potentially ambush anybody who is traveling. Yeah, although there's quite a few different ways going off the road to get there. You could, there's a mile long span at which you could theoretically leave the road, so it's not like you'd be going into a box canyon. Okay, is it, and he says, is anyone still wounded? Yes. I'm fine. I'm down about a fifth. Okay. I may be able to just Nothing that a little bit of rest will take care of. I may be able to assist you with that. Please do. Also known as my half-moon instructor for almost getting myself killed by my horse in the, okay. the horse in the wagon. So he lays hands on your wounds um, uh, with a faint green heel green glow, um, and you get four hit points back. And then he continues to concentrate for another moment, and you get four more back. I should be good now. I'll rest the rest off overnight. Okay. Good. And then I still, if necessary, have some healing left. Asclepius be praised. Asclepius. Asclepius. Yeah, I was afraid whether it was an S after the P or not. It would be really hard to say if it was, but Asclepius. Yeah, Asclepius. It doesn't sound so Greek. Yeah. Asclepius sounds more uh, uh, Nordic. <laughs>
This is Pastor Daniel Stevenson. I'm director of the Southside Life Station and pastor of New Heights Fellowship Baptist Church of East Toledo. I'm thinking today of Ezra 3.1. And Ezra and those who've gone home to rebuild the temple after the exile in the land around Jerusalem and they're thinking about getting started and they look out and they see that they're surrounded by enemies. There's all kinds of people who want to cause a problem for God's people as they're trying to do the things they're supposed to do. And so they've got to make a plan, take a course of action, take some steps. What am I going to do? You know what they do? They turn... They build the area of worship in particular, the altar, and begin sacrifices to God. They begin holy worship to God the best they know how. That's a lesson for us. When things look tough, when things look down, when there's enemies all around, what's our priority? What are we going to do? We're going to get get our craw up, defend ourselves, attack our enemies, train ourselves, build better defenses? No, that's not it. What we're going to do is turn toward the Lord and do the things of the Lord. Do the thing that the Lord sent us to do, which is to worship Him. God is looking for worshipers and in spirit and in truth, John 4. He's looking for people who will put their lives on the line for him, who will focus on him, sing his songs, do his work, serve him, study, um, be the church. And if you'll put God first, he'll take care of all the rest. When you see your enemies encroaching, remember to put God at the center. Be encouraged today. If you need growth, look for plenty of opportunities coming up from the Life Station very soon and from New Heights. And then at the same time, I would encourage you, download our app. That is going to be a great way in the future that you're going to be able to keep track of what's going on through these ministries. If you don't have a smartphone, don't worry. We're going to try not to leave you out. Make sure that you're in our texting group for updates. What's that? You don't text? Don't worry. We'll try not to leave you out. Give us a call. Let us know you want to be kept abreast of everything that's going on through the Life Station and through New Heights. And we'll do our best to keep you in the loop. All right, anyway, so your half an hour goes relatively uneventfully then. You're healed. Got a weather forecast. Everybody ate. A uh, little bit of tending the horses. Check the saddle straps, that kind of thing. Check You check the hooves of the horses and make sure you're not picking up stones because there are stones on the road or bits of bark or a piece of tree. In fact, some one of the pack animals does have a small bit of something wedged up inside of its hoof and you have to, somebody pops it out of there and now they all look pretty much ready to go and eh, 12 31 o'clock something like that what time is it <laughs> check, check Twelve thirty-seven. at twelve thirty-seven, you set out on the road northwestward I know that yeah pretty much just five minutes in between numbers other numbers were like fading yeah all the other numbers are gone technically but you can kind of tell where they'd be at equidistant, as it were. I understand that reading, reading a, a, a dial watch is a lost skill for you young Well, I know how to do it. I'm saying good. he said there were no numbers except for the ones that are that you can click on. So he should be like somewhat guessing as to where they are exactly. A little bit. Right. He can pretty much tell where Maybe it's magically communicating to him. That's possible. And maybe it's not like... Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's 4.30 in the afternoon. Then why is it dark? <laughs> why is it dark? It must be an eclipse. There's a moon out. Yeah, it's in front of the sun. <laughs> okay. Um, as you...
because it's transparent and it's like the light of the sun. Your next hour's ride brings you into the Tusk Forest. You know, because there's a sign in common with painted letters that says, Now entering the Tusk Forest. There's a four foot by six foot sign on two <sighs> four by four posts. Uh, about, it is on the right hand side of the road. Um, the paint is red. How's the handwriting? It's not. It's pretty good. It's pretty blockish, but pretty good. Simple manuscript handwriting. Um, and seemingly as an afterthought, down on the right hand side, probably also in paint, though. It's a kind of a darker, almost like a brick shade color, uh, so it could be blood. It says, beware. So it says, now entering Tusk Forest, and then on down the right side, and, and it's not the same exact neat manuscript, it's a little more jagged, it says, beware. Okay. Just offhand, does the forest name the Tusk Forest because of a preponderance of boars or other tusked creatures? I have no idea. Maybe there's a big rock in the middle that looks like a tusk. People like to do things like that. Yeah, that's kind of why I was asking. Well, I don't know. I've been this far. Hoping it's a rock. Admittedly, a, a rock is less likely to endanger us than wild boar. I would agree. Well, I'm not super worried about a wild boar either. I'm more worried about centipedes. <laughs> Until it guts one of the horses. Where are you going to stop it first? Well, I got a shield. Which would be of great help if anyone throws boars at us. Hmm. Are boars considered missiles? If thrown harder than <coughs> Don't worry about that catapult. I've got it covered. <laughs> I've got it covered. None of you need to worry. That's for sure. At least for the first shot. <laughs> it's a ballista. What's the worst that could happen? I can imagine that when we were getting attacked by dogs and you had that shield, all the dogs hit you. <laughs> <laughs> one of the dogs, one of the dogs, like jumps at someone next to me and curves at me. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> if he likes it, it might happen. <laughs> yeah. What constitutes a missile? I'm saying. Does a missile have to be thrown or propelled? In which case, are the are the leg muscles of a dog See, pushing off the ground considered probably... If you hadn't been dead when we got attacked by the kobolds, we would have known by the ba- by the baskets of rats coming over the balls. If they all arced to hit you, then we would know that, yes, it works on siege weapons. I'm sure we'll run into siege weapons again. I really hope not. <laughs> well, it happened. It happens a lot in Uprising because we keep starting um, hobgoblin wars. <laughs> we started like three of them. Leave the hobgoblins alone. They're they're militant people. Don't make them more militant. We kept like like the first time wasn't really our fault because we stumbled across it and then we just made it worse, which I guess is kind of our fault. But we were trying to help. The second time was a hundred percent our fault, but. We ended that Hobgoblin War by dropping Theon in the middle of the battlefield because he was a lightning pro. <laughs> and they couldn't hurt him. We ended the war by starting a new one. No, they, they, we did start the war. Okay, so what you're saying is now there are a bunch of lycanthrope Hobgoblins running around. I didn't bite them to death. 
How do you know? It was a, it was a lycanthrope. Because I was there. <laughs> My character. I mean, I, I guess he did. I think he transformed at one point. We were making rolls to see if he was transformed. Okay. So how do you end up with packs of... of all right. So you you enter the Tusk Forest, and it's not even like five minutes. You're at a pretty good gallop, um, but roughly five minutes in, it is plain and evident to everyone that there is the sound of some kind of a conflict coming from the forest on your right. You hear what might be human human yells. Um, Crap. You drink a lot of caffeine lately, are you? No, I only drink it in the morning. So it should be waking a he's lot just, in the morning. He's exactly. He's 300 milligrams in the morning. Milligrams and then I'm done for the rest of the day. That's like that's like a caffeine supplement. Exactly. I, I drink it, I work out, and then I'm done for the rest of the day. Um, it's be a, while. a healthy just person could be under 400 milligrams of caffeine a day, but yeah, still be healthy. So I keep my number at 300. I go over that if I'm really struggling. Okay, anyway, so... Uh, Though you are at a gallop, above the sounds of your horses and your own creaking and the heartbeat in your ears, rushing the wind, etc., from the from the right in the forest, no obvious uh, road per se. The trees are not terribly tight together, but it, there's enough um, that you would have to be careful if you tried to navigate it. There is what sounds like the sounds of fighting, and uh, at least one side sounds human. And somewhere in the battle, you hear the sounds of like growling, um, which either are similar to vicious wolves or something like that. How far off does it sound? Not too far, because it's coming in over top of it. It might be 100 yards. And it's in the woods? Yep. But you're so are we. <laughs> yeah. Wood, like the, the woods start maybe 10 feet off the road now. Uh, I'm going in with my bow. Yeah. You must help so, them. So you're reining up to see what's going on, basically, is yes. the point. All right. Um, I'm going. Rook has the reins of one of the. You have one pack animal or two now? Uh, I think just one. one. Okay, he has the reins of the pack animal then, and uh, he and Kevin kind of lag back while Chiron draws his sword. And before moving to head into, oh, actually, he is a lance. He'll drop the lance. Yeah, I was going to say going into the woods. Yeah. So he casts the lance aside on the ground and draws his sword. I'll also draw my sword. Okay. So if you are immediately headed in, you're going to get around ahead of where uh, the two of them are because they're holding up for long enough to draw their sword. Okay. Um, so you have horsemanship. No. Okay. No. So roll a d20. <laughs> roll well. Roll low. Twelve. Okay. So um, 
space. You edge the horse forward into the line of trees. Uh, you can see that the inside the forest is basically like a lot of changes in elevation, mm -hmm. and um, just about maybe 30 yards ahead of where you currently are, there's a ridge, like a line where the, the, line, line, the ground is higher, and the sound is coming from just on the other side of that, but you can see, you catch a glimpse of a large, larger than a wolf. It looks like a wolf in size, but it's kind of the back, like its front shoulders are hunched big, and its head is kind of short and stubby compared to a wolf's head, and it, it uh, scrambles over that ridge and down into wherever, whatever the fight is. And you can tell that that's where the sound's at. So the, so the battle is taking place maybe actually 40 yards from where you currently are, but the ridge is like 25, 30 yards ahead of you. So if you ride the horse up the ridge. Go and you get off the horse. Okay. Go. All right. So you jump from the saddle, make a dex check. I love it. Okay, no problem. So you jump from the saddle, and uh, I take it, start running up the Pretty much. rise. Okay. Um, Behind you, you hear uh, Lucas and Chiron have just gotten their horses under control and they're just pushing into the underbrush at the edge. You can hear the twigs snapping and like that of the two of them coming in. And you charge up the hill and behind, behind it you can hear the grunt and cry of what sounds like human fighters um, and the snarling, snapping and scratching of what you guess is at least a half dozen of those very large wolf-like creatures that you just saw. Okay, And as you charge up the top of the hill, once you get almost to the top, you can see beyond and you realize that it's a good 15 yards beyond the ridge actually, um, but you can already make out that the, um, the defenders, if you will, because they're back to back in the middle of the, uh, it's kind of like a dell basically, the ridge you're on goes down, slopes down, and then it slopes down in from the right, and slopes down in from back there, and out that direction it seems to be pretty flat. But here it's kind of like a dell, and the, the change in altitude is from where you, the top of the ridge where you are down to the middle of the dell is only like 10 feet. Um, but as you're coming to the top, you can see there are four, um, and but they don't they don't actually look human. At least not completely. Um, they are bare uh, from the waist up, uh, muscular looking, and they have uh, two of them have spears and two of them have stabs, and they are basically back to back in the center of the clearings. But from the waist down, they look like they have um, like goat legs, goat legs, basically, or um, or twisted, maybe, horse legs. They're brown, furry, and... Um, so anyway, they they are defending themselves the best they can, but you see they've been cornered here by five of those very large, kind of mutated wolves, is what they look like. Hunched backs, short butts, and triangular-shaped heads, and sc scraggly gray mane, uh, fur. Or, what are these called? The goblins, right? Wargs. Okay. Um, and as, so as you come to the top of the rise, uh, 
I'll assume you notched an arrow on the way up the hill. Yeah. So basically, as soon as you see them, you get one shot. All right, so roll to hit. Um, Play them up, bull boy. They are 15 yards, which is 45 feet, which means I think you're... I think crossbow is 60 feet. Longbow. Longbow. Bow, 30 feet. So you need to get 15 feet closer if you want point blank range. So you'd have to go over the rise and partway down the hill. If you wanted to charge up there, then you'd be at point blank range. I can do that. Okay, so you hold your shot for a second. You, so then you're entering the woods. Are you entering the woods as well? Um, yes. Okay. Um, so you're paralleling the knights, or are you trying to? You could have gone in ahead of them if you wanted to, because they delayed long enough to. I'll parallel them, but I'm going to kind of go toward a little bit to the side in case anything comes in to try to flank. To their left or to their right? Um, left. Okay. Um, so you will realize as you approach that that was the wiser choice because the, the ridge, as soon as you get in the forest, you see the ridge is coming down from the right. So over there, it's pretty flat compared to going uphill toward the battle. Um, which either means they'll have to go uphill, or they'll follow. If they follow the land, then they'll be coming around to your direction. I've heard this sometime or two before. Many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so. It's been battle music, and I play in three loading campaigns. <laughs> and place it in all of them. All right. Um, it's a unifying theme. So you, as you reach point blank range, you see they are the whatever the creatures are that are in the middle. They are taking the worst of it. Um, to fight it. In fact, you see one of the four of them has gone down, and as he does so, one of the big wolf-like creatures uh, swats his the side of his head, and neck, and basically rips partly rips apart his face and neck. Interesting. Okay. You've been listening to Outsiders on the Low Moon and More Role Playing Network. We'll be back.